0: Life. Caterpillar to a butterfly
1: butterfly It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca
0: Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff
1: On 95.5
2: WSB Seven minutes after seven o'clock Hour number two of Green and Growing And unfortunately the final hour We go off the air a little bit early today To make room for UGA football That's right, the dogs are in Vanderbilt With the Com- Commodores? Yeah, Commanders, Commanders. Commodores. We'll say that. They're Vanderbilt. What What did you say, DeMarco? <laughs> I'm a mess this morning, you know. Commodores. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Is that a pirate? But nonetheless, uh, Dog Talk pregame begins at 8 o'clock, so we gotta skedaddle for that. But for the next hour, I have Rick Smith, the pruning guru, with me. You've heard him on the show, and Rick, I just kind of talked to you off the air. You're a unique guest in that we've recorded a phone conversation to play on the show Um, then you were actually like in studio and we recorded a conversation when you and Bruce holiday came last year, but now you're actually live in studio. So you've had every iteration of interview that could be, and here you are. Welcome.
1: Oh, good morning.
2: Isn't it good to be on this side of things? I am so
1: glad to be here.
2: This is so much fun. I'm I'm really glad you were able to give up an hour of your time early on a Saturday morning for my listeners. Um, they know who you are, and people in the industry are well aware of who you are as well. We've met through a number of different ways, but I would say the Georgia Urban Ag Council and our friend Mary Kay uh, introducing us as well And I gotta say When I put on the Facebook page That you were coming on I shared a video That I shot with you And Bruce Holiday last year And y'all are talking about Maintenance for hand pruners That's really good video For anybody that wants to watch it It's on the Facebook page But uh, Mike McGee chimed in And said I just met Rick today At the Georgia Certified Landscape Professional Training And I love your show Hearing from the experts So G-Clip is something You've been on the show And talked to folks about Give us a little bit of a rundown of what that program was yesterday
1: it's a uh, organization that really it's a very difficult process where you go through uh, written test written test excuse me and hands on and I want to give a uh, attaboy boy to Jeff Collins and Mike McGee for our newest uh, G clip certification they did a really great job this program is held sometimes in Griffin or uh, Gwinnett County. Gwinnett Tech uh, campus we do a uh, hands-on where you have two tests where it's 100 questions each then you have the uh, the hands-on that you have to go through different stations of every aspect of the industry yeah. and each station has a professional G-Club that pretty much grades everybody there and if you pass you pass if you don't you get another chance to do it but this organization G-Club is really to give employees or people a up and above everybody else.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you become a Georgia Certified Landscape Professional, that's a great certification to have, just like becoming a master gardener or a plant naturalist or something like that. So just give me a couple of the things that a professional in the industry would learn going through this G-Clip training.
1: Oh, my goodness. One, everything that you can think of. If there's anything that you – if you think you know everything, you need to study it a little bit harder. There you go. This test is not something that anybody can just walk in and take. However, when I was talking to Mike McGee yesterday, he only studied it for two weeks.
2: Ah, all right. But
1: he's been studying horticulture. He's never been in the industry, but he studied horticulture his whole life. That's a compliment. You know, He did great. And, but for the industry itself, it's really great because it gives customers that great feeling that, hey, they are hiring someone that knows what they're doing.
2: You know, and no offense to the people that have the companies where they just mow and blow, right? You've got the guy that comes with the mower and can just blow the leaves and things like that. But you really want to make sure, A, they can identify the plant that then you're asking them to treat, but they may not know the right timing, when to prune, how to prune, that kind of thing. So that's really when you need someone that's certified and knows all of the materials in your landscape and is going to give you the best advice.
1: That's correct. And a lot of landscape companies in Atlanta... They do have GCLIP certification Mm -hmm. employees there. Yeah. And uh, kudos to them for helping them out to get that test.
2: Yeah. I think, like you said, it kind of gives the homeowners assurance of having someone competent that's not going to mess up their um, landscape. And the materials for this, I keep saying course, but it's not really because you work at your own pace, right? It's not like y'all are all meeting for class, right? Correct. But you get together to do the test?
1: Yes, that's correct.
2: So you work at your own pace. Where are all the study materials and things coming from? You can get it
1: online. Uh, Greg Huber is in charge of (laughs) organizing Mm -hmm. uh, the test. he does a really, really good job. Wow. Everybody's so proud. And and there is an advisory board, which I'm the chair of, that we help to guide uh, Greg along. And we're redoing the manual for the certification, and hopefully it'll be done by the end of the year.
2: And is that all of you is coming together as a team, business owners and other things that are putting together that material? I mean,
1: y'all are writing
2: it. You're coming up with all of it.
1: Correct. And the manual's already been written. We're just revising it.
2: Okay. So one of the things that you often get from your customers um, as the pruning guru you know When to prune and how to prune, yes But when people are freaking out When a plant's not behaving the way it should be, Rick And this has been the case Almost this entire year of 2023 We've seen a lot of really Unusual things due to that Christmas freeze last winter uh, Was so detrimental to a lot of Plants and then kind of things were starting to rebound And had a couple of freezes in March So we saw fewer blooms On spring blooming things Because those buds just got nipped with cold weather twice in March. So where do you want to kind of guide us as far as what you have found to be some of the failures due to that freeze, but then some of the successes and things that have recovered?
1: I wanted to start off by saying that I've been in this industry for 42 years, and I can count on one hand how many times we've had a hard freeze that affected plants like it did In that Isn't that something? it really tested not only my patients, <laughs> but all the other professional uh, in the industry and homeowners. Mm-hmm. Because one, we had to deal with the homeowners. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of course, they're not sure what to do. And because uh, the professionals, you know, the landscape companies, when we see this, we kind of know the how the plant's going to respond. And the biggest thing that we were telling everybody is wait.
2: I was saying that too and I felt like I felt like I was doing everybody a disservice like just kicking the can down the road but that was truly the best advice we could give at the time even April, May, June we were still like hold on hold on don't give up on it yet.
1: Yep uh, Bodie Penance and uh, excuse me Dr. Bodie Penance and Dr. Uh, Jean Woodward and myself we wrote an article called to prune or not to prune as we assist last winter's damage. We calculated there was about 25 different species that was damaged. And it really depended on where in Atlanta or Georgia, how hard uh, or how little it uh, did a damage. So now where we're at is that um, everything has almost pretty much leafed out. Good. The plant that gave us the biggest headaches were... Um, as homeowner knows, tea olives or osmanthus, mm-hmm. and then gardenias. Gardenias pushed my patients to no end because <laughs> they would not produce leaves for nothing. And then one day, boom, they just Isn't that something? They, out of the blue.
2: Now, you said tea olive, osmanthus. And a lot of my colleagues at the time were sending me pictures because even if they didn't know what that was in their landscape, they knew that that was a bush that usually always kept its leaves. It was evergreen. And then they had never seen this bare bush before. And they're like, okay, this thing's got to be dead because it lost all its leaves. That was probably the most striking. I agree with you there as mm-hmm. far as like, uh-oh, something's not right. But it wasn't dead. Nine times out of ten, they were okay.
1: Right. Yeah. And in the professional world um, – we call bushes uh, shrubs. Yes. So, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, it's just a pet peeve. That's of mine. okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, what is a bush or just it's not?
1: Well, you you have a butterfly bush. Okay.
2: Have,
1: but really, a shrub is if you're going to be a professional, you want to use professional terminology. Don't use bush, use shrub. Hmm. Don't use grass, use turf. Don't use dirt, it's soil. Oh, boy. I mean, it, it is. It Faux makes pas. that's where the difference is between a professional and, as you said earlier, the mo, blow, go. Yeah,
2: mo, blow, and go, mm-hmm. guys. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to fork over the $40, 50 $60, you know, per visit, and that, that gets you what you need. But when you go a little bit deeper, someone with the certifications, as Rick was mentioning, and from the list that you and Dr. Panisi and Dr. Woodward came up with, um, I mean, 25 plants that you saw mostly affected. But, yes, top on the list, osmanthus tea olive as you mentioned Pittosporum that was another one that kind of gave us fits and gardenia for sure um when did you finally start to notice gardenia's leafing out i me? Mean, it was late
1: it was i believe i'm going to guess it was probably may or even june shoot it was it was a long time yeah
2: so when we come back with rick smith the pruning guru i want to get into a little bit uh, of what we were telling folks to not do at the time some some maybe panic behaviors that gardeners will fall into Or just the impatience of, okay, I've got to act now I've got to do something And we were telling you, whoa, hold your horses Don't do these things yet And why that was the case And why now, looking at things months later, it makes sense Plus, if you have questions for Rick 404 872 We'll be right back You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB Update on the weekend weather Brought to you by Finley Roofing Partly cloudy and breezy today But it's going to be pleasant to high in the mid-70s And then it dips down to the mid-70s 60s for tomorrow, still breezy and getting even cooler on Monday. The complete forecast coming up in less than 10 minutes. So I've got Rick Smith, the pruning guru, on, and we're talking about what weird behaviors um, plants have exhibited this year just based on that one freeze event that was right around Christmas of last year, 2022. And based on the research that Dr. Panisi has done, Dr. Woodward, you got together with these two ladies, wrote an article. What is kind of the prediction, Rick, for like, are these plants on life support right now? Or are they just trying to, to stay alive or are they like back to full, vigorous, you know, health and we're okay?
1: Well, let me give the example of a tea olive. The freeze that we got the first time, three days after they completely defoliated yep. and it freaked everybody out. Of course, with Atlanta's weather, you always get cold, warm, cold, warm. Well, the tea olives started putting on new growth. Then we got the second freeze Mm -hmm. and that defoliated again and that put that plant under so much stress. So now they have put on their third set of growth and the plant is so stressed at this point. I've been telling everybody or recommending not to prune those. You can prune the dead out of them but do not do anything other than maybe taking out a little bit of sucker growth here and there at the top but nothing major. And honestly, the tea olives, they're probably not going to be fully recovered until 2025.
2: And that's something. That is something. A year and a half from now.
1: And that's—they're this put them under so much stress. And gardenias, even though your gardenias look uh, really nice and pretty right now, the uh, inside the branches, they're not as healthy. A plant will do everything it possibly can to survive. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, Even though that it has produced foliage, the root system has really taken on some damage, too, from this cold. If we have another freeze this year, like we did last year, you think this year was bad? It's Mm. going to be double worse.
2: Yeah. Oh, boy. I may go out of a job. No, i have a garden show if everything dies. Uh,
1: actually, you might get busier. Yeah,
2: there you go. Well, so, and one of the things, too, that a lot of times these um, plants and trees and things that are in distress can often send out um, hormones and signals to insects, you know, that then may take advantage of that. So that's something we may see, too, is a little mm-hmm. more insect damage. Before we go, we've got about a minute, Rick. I do want to... Um, kind of pick your brain so we're homeowners like all during last winter this past winter and into spring well what can I do Rick can I just fertilize can I just prune and that's going to fix the problem or those some of the things you were telling folks to do or not to do
1: that was the hardest thing to tell homeowners because you know they're biting at the bit yeah. and they they want to prune they want something done and it's it's hard to say I'm sorry but you really have to wait you, you have no choice either you prune them now and get some long term damage, or you leave it and let's see how the plant responds. That was the number one advice. That was not advice that was popular.
2: Yeah, think about a parent. I mean, if you've got a sick child and the doctor says, well, there's not really a whole lot you can be doing, just wait till they get better, you feel so helpless. But what does fertilizing a stressed plant do?
1: Uh, it actually can be detrimental because the root system, I'm trying to be. Um, in layman's term when the plant is stressed you don't want to put fertilizer down to create more uh, growth because it's you're asking that plant to uh, to run another mile after it just ran a marathon
2: sure sure That's so good anybody opinion.
1: who've ever ran a marathon another mile would just be very painful
2: yeah no, that's very a good way of putting it. All right, 4048720750. Your questions about pruning and plant behavior and plant health with Rick Smith the pruning guru when we come back. Plus, Seth Hawkins from the Georgia Forestry Commission with an update on the Georgia Leaf Watch next on WSB.
0: green around the other side Caterpillar to a butterfly It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff
2: On 95.5 WSB Hello, hello Back for the last half hour If you're just turning on the radio And you're like, what? It should be another hour and a half We're going off the air at 8 o'clock this morning because of the George Bulldogs the game is at noon kickoff at noon so uh, dog talk pregame and all of the pregame action begins right here on your home of the dogs at 8 a.m. so we have a lot to do a lot of people to talk to want to hear from you as well with questions for Rick Smith the pruning guru 404-872-0750 but as I have promised every Saturday in October and maybe if I can convince him the first Saturday of November I love having Seth Hawkins along from the Georgia Forestry Commission my favorite time of year to give us the fall leaf report from north georgia hey seth good morning
0: good morning ashley how are you
2: very good always love hearing from you and a shout out to you and the georgia foresters who actually get to do this and kind of go around the state making observations and really good notes about you know the leaf color change uh what is like the percentage of of leaf color change now compared to what it was a week ago
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're still kind of easing into, you know, towards the peak leaf season. We're still kind of on track for probably the very end of October, very beginning of November to be kind of that peak, especially when you get in the higher elevations. We're seeing as much as maybe 15 percent color change over in the highest elevations over in northeast Georgia. Of course, northwest is a little behind with that just because elevation. So it's probably more about, you know, 8 to 10 percent in the higher peaks Um, Right now, you know, your roadside viewing is actually better than a lot of your big overlooks and vista viewing just because that sunlight exposure along the roads helps to drive some of those understory species that are really coming in
2: now When you say understory, uh, you know, we talked about dogwoods last week, but my goodness, the sumac, if you see something kind of short and right at the edge of the wood line and it's bright red right now, that sumac is really showing off
0: yeah, the, you know, the dogwoods definitely, like you mentioned, they're still kind of coming in with their maroons. Um, but the sumacs are definitely flashy and popping right now. Along with sourwood, you'll see that one kind of some of the same settings, the understory setting. But you're right, that sumac is that bright. It almost looks spray-painted red on the side of the road sometimes.
2: Right, and, uh, and what are the oaks doing? Because they had a good year. They didn't really have any oak leaf minor problems. We had some galls that people called in, but nothing that was super detrimental for them as far as early leaf drop. So what colors and things are we seeing in the oaks?
0: Yeah, so the oaks, you know, we're seeing just a kind of a gradual transition from green to honestly a lot of brown with the oaks. Um, just not having, and it's typical this time of year, just not having a lot of rain is going to kind of slow down that oak color transition but it's definitely coming along um it should you know as we keep getting these nice little soft rains like we did earlier this week um i think that'll help really bring in the yellows and oranges from the oaks and all the reds and everything but as far as you know other overstory species sweet gums really coming in i know sweet gum is kind of you know mixed reviews on it as a tree overall but it's coming (laughs) in with some great maroons and reds um, the tulip poplars are accenting that with some nice yellows. And then, of course, our red maples are really starting to come in. Red maples and chalk maples both come in with yellows and oranges and reds.
2: Yeah, we were at Gibbs Gardens up in Ball Ground, and you know that part of that part of the, the state, that's right, in between you and I, and uh, the maples were starting to turn, and I'm really excited about seeing the coral bark maples, too, because once they drop their leaves, that bark is so stunning. Um, you mentioned the little bit of rain that we've had peppered in here and there, Seth, but what do we fear if there's a pretty big wind event or a heavy rain between now and the end of the month?
0: Well, yeah, you know, as we talked about last week, so the process of the tree actually separating the leaf is called an abscission. And so, just as the tree starts to abscise that leaf more and more, that attachment gets weaker and weaker. So, if we get a big wind event or something right now in the next couple of weeks, the tree, you know, the leaves are at danger for maybe getting popped off or blown off pre- uh, prematurely. but. We keep getting these nice little soft grain events and these, you know, just normal winds and everything. The tree should just slowly abscise that leaf off. And as it does, that gradual abscission will result in the most vivid and noticeable color change.
2: Okay. And for anybody that's new to Georgia or perhaps really wanting to venture out and they're getting the itch for, you know, I want to go hiking. I want to go camping. I want to spend some time up in North Georgia, which is one of the most beautiful parts of the country, in my opinion. Um, Give us a couple of like scenic drives, maybe one for folks in the Northwest, maybe one for folks in the Northeast that you find to be the most impactful and most colorful this time of year.
0: Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. I've been all over this country and I'm always excited to come home and call North Georgia yes,
1: home. Um, right? And this
0: is, in my opinion, the prettiest time of year and the prettiest part of the country. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, our foresters, you know, Blake Lovell, Ben Cobb, and Brian Tate um, out in their journeys, they've been out taking the pictures and doing a little bit of ground truthing, looking for color. And they've definitely suggested some nice drives and just locations to kind of get to, you know, when you're driving. So, obviously, I mentioned Northeast Georgia at higher elevations. Um, the Raven Gap area is showing off a lot of good color. Maybe just get off the main road and just explore the side roads. Just get out there and explore a little bit. But if you want to stick to the main path, uh, Richard Russell uh, Memorial Highway is always a good, Richard Russell Parkway, excuse me, always a good good choice. <clears throat> and then moving over more to the north central part of the state, obviously, um, you know, Fort Mountain, that the area is always beautiful this time of year. But also State Route 17 from Helen to Hiawassee yeah. is showing off some great color. Uh, but remember, a lot of S-curves up there, so be careful. Plus, there's a couple fall festivals up in that part of the state this weekend. So pull over and enjoy, but watch out for traffic along those curvy roads.
2: I, I'm and hiring course, you. We need another traffic reporter. I'm hiring you. That was really good <laughs> advice.
0: <laughs> and then, of, of course, over in northwest Georgia, you know, Cloudland Canyon always a can't miss. Um, again, Fort Mountain, I'll mention that. And then if you wanted to kind of look from the ground up towards the mountain, Mclemore's Cove and Mountain Cove Farms up in Walker County, Always a great spot. You get that nice approach to the mountain and you can just go up into the mountains and head to Cloudland. So
2: All right. So at about fifteen percent for some parts, maybe eight to ten percent for some parts of North Georgia change, and I bet a lot is gonna change in a week. So Seth, I look forward to talking to you the same time next Saturday for another update. Thanks for what y'all are doing. We really appreciate it.
0: Hey, thanks, Ashley.
2: All right, have a good Saturday. All right, Seth, one of my favorites and another one of my favorites, Rick Smith sitting right here in front of me with the Sun Forest. Glad y'all are here this morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're talking about that Christmas freeze and all of the damage that it caused. Um, And I want to kind of get uh, caught up to speed as far as like current day, where we're at. We're in mid-October. A lot of folks are in that mood, Rick, where they want to tidy up the lawn and they're thinking, maybe I want to prune, maybe I want to remove some dead plants, maybe I want to do these things. Um, Generally I have been saying Don't go real crazy with pruning This time of year only because pruning induces New growth don't want that new growth To be too tender and then get damaged by a Freeze whether we have it in early November Mid-November whenever it is to occur Uh, What are some of the things though that You're you know screaming at the radio when you're Driving in like no Ashley we do want to prune XYZ what do you think
1: that is correct. One of the misconceptions when it comes to, some people call it renewal pruning, I call it rejuvenation pruning, and that's where you're reducing the size of the shrub by half to two-thirds of its existing size. Pretty drastic. It, it is drastic, and they're, you're wanting to do that in order to give that plant another chance. The timing for that is really January, February, March, uh, April, and so on. But if you do it in the fall, you're going to be looking at ugliness for, uh, say, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Yeah. You don't want to be looking at that. Uh And two, because Atlanta is not consistent with its weather, if you end up having some warm spells and you get a nice burst of new foliage after you've rejuvenated the plant and then we get a hard freeze, you just created a lot of stress for that plant if not major damage
2: you know before you and i ever met i did see you on a like a webinar that uh, mary kay and the georgian urban ag council hosted And that was one of the things that stuck out to me. This has probably been about a year and a half, two years ago, was you talking about rejuvenative pruning and how I'd never really given it any thought. But I did see a presentation one time where a guy just whacked a camellia trunk back to nothing. And I was like, oh, no. But then hearing you elaborate on really what that is, I think a lot of folks could benefit from that information doing this in January, February, March, Uh, maybe for shrubs and hedges that have just been left you know, and, and the insides bare, uh, there's no new growth, it's just kind of a dead space in the middle, something that maybe was what, overcome by insects and you're giving it a second chance?
1: Well, either that or the plant has been pruned improperly, sheared for an example, making it look like a green meatball or a Mickey Mouse or whatever. What happens when you're shearing a plant, you create so much thick foliage along the top and the sides of the plant that air and light can't get into the center of the plant so you the foliage falls off so now you just have a dome then you in order to fix that you go in and you do rejuvenate it now when it comes to rejuvenation that doesn't mean that um, every single plant is the same when it comes to pruning you really need to know what your plant is how it responds when it blooms mm-hmm. you know what's What's going to be the major problem or benefit of pruning that plant? Knowing the plant and when the pruning, that is the key.
2: It really is. And, and, you know, I mean, some people in the industry will say, and and there, this is not completely false. It has a lot of truth to it. Just remember... Prune after flowering. Generally, that's a good rule because if you prune before something flowers, you you risk uh, cutting the buds off. But there's a little, a few more uh, intricacies to it than just that. But to start, that's not bad advice. Uh,
1: Yeah, no. After a plant blooms, that is a good time. So let's use an azalea for an example. If a lot of times, if you're going to rejuvenate an azalea, you can do it after they bloom. Mm-hmm. But if the plant is under stress, you would w- really want to consider doing that in February and sacrifice the blooms for that year. And so for an example, if you rejuvenated an azalea after it bloomed and that plant's under stress already, remember that when an azalea produces a bud, it takes energy out of the root system. Then when that same plant produces a bloom, it takes even more energy. So when you rejuvenate it, now you're asking that plant to produce foliage after it just ran a marathon. So if you do it in uh, February, all that energy is stored in the root system, and that way you get some nice, healthy foliage at that time, sacrifice the bloom, and next year that'll be a really nice plant. And of course, anytime you do rejuvenate a plant, you would need to fertilize it.
2: Yep. Okay, that's that's a good key as well Um, Before we go to break here, when you said azaleas I want to ask you this question so I don't forget I think folks are a little thrown Sometimes by encore azaleas because mm-hmm. they Bloom multiple times or endless summer So do our pruning habits Change with something like that?
1: Absolutely, encore is called they do bloom Twice a year so You can prune them right after they bloom Of course, and If you want to rejuvenate them um, You can do that as well. Encore is you can prune them one month after they bloom and you'll be fine. The endless summer hydrangeas that you're speaking of, they bloom off of old and new wood. Okay. So And that's another thing, that, for an example, knowing your plant, hydrangeas. hydrangeas what type, right? What type? Mm-hmm. Do they bloom off of old wood? Do they bloom off of new wood? That That is probably the number one thing you've got to know about hydrangeas.
2: Yeah, that's an important one. Whereas... The ones that I have the most of in my landscape are panicle. Um, so they bloom like, you know, after the mop heads, and the macrophyllas and things. And for me, that's just easier because they bloom on new wood every year. So you can whack them back and they're kind of forgiving and then they're just going to bloom on the new
1: growth. Well, some macrophyllas bloom off of new wood, oh, which boy. would be the endless summer. But if you have a Nico Blue... Which is a macrophylla. It blooms off old wood.
2: Okay. Oh, see, now you're blowing my mind. I don't know mm-hmm. why all these years I've done this show. Hydrangeas, <laughs> they throw me for a loop, too. All right, when we come back, more with Rick Smith and the Pruning Guru and the website?
1: Pruningguru.com.
2: So easy to find, Rick. 404 We'll be right back. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. How to plan your weekend. I've got the info right here from Findlay Roofing. Partly cloudy today and breezy, a high of 76, and still breezy and cool tomorrow with then a high in the mid-60s. So make sure to bring a jacket and layer yourself tomorrow. Rick Smith, the pruning guru here. Um, Rick, you've got some advice for folks who can find pruning a little overwhelming.
1: Pruning is very, very intimidating, uh, especially for homeowners. Let me give you some tips that... Would probably make it a little easier, especially this time of year. If you're going to prune, it's more for aesthetics than anything else. Re- first tip is to just go through and remove the dead branches that are, you know, obviously there. Then the second step is to go in and remove the sucker growth that's distorting the shape of the plant. The sucker growth will come from a stem. A lot of times, you can just prune them down to where they're growing from. Do not just prune the sucker growth down to a nub because you're just going to have three or four or five shoots off of that other thing is slightly thin the plant out while you're doing it if you've had a plant that's been sheared most people shear korean boxwoods american boxwoods if you can go in and take a little uh, chunk out here and there to allow air and light in the center. When I say a chunk, I don't mean a, a hole that's a, that you can put a softball in. <laughs> uh, just s- something that can allow. And way I usually teach uh, my guys is that if you prune in a star pattern, like you would tighten lug nuts on a the tire, there you, you make a cut in one spot, go over to the other point of the star, go to the other point of the star, and then so on like that. And the reason why you do that is because you don't get concentrated on one spot and end up making a big hole. So if you scatter your cuts and then look back and then just touch up what you didn't prune, then you'll have a perfectly shaped shop.
2: And I know your your staff adheres to that and your son, Forrest, over here, who works with you as well, shaking his head yes. So that advice has has sunk in. Um, Rick, we've got about 30 seconds. I so appreciate your time. The Pruning Guru, how can folks get in touch with you and hire you to do jobs?
1: Uh, Yes, you can call us at the office at 678-445-1495 or contact us at pruningguru.com.
2: And when you go on the website too, folks, you want to sign up for his newsletter. Rick posts out a really good newsletter too. Friend, thank you so much. Great timely advice. Thank you advice. for having me on. We'll have you back in the spring because I know that's when we'll get to work. Thanks to Marco. It's been a great show. Go Dogs. It's time for UGA Football on your home of the dogs. 95.5 W
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger.